And the Oscar goes to the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, the 2023 Academy Awards. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. to the greatest movie of all time podcast the show in which usually myself uh, your co-founder uh, former co-host rick barrasso uh, or derek smith and a special guest uh, talk about what uh, constitutes some of the greatest movies of all time but today is a little bit different similar to what we did last year uh, i am uh, along with my temporary co-host my special guest my oscar expert Chris Bonapane. We're going to go over uh, some of the movies from uh, the 2022 that we did like, the Oscar nominees, tell you what should win, what we think will win. Uh, you don't have to watch along with us, but it helps. Uh, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure for the second annual greatest movie of all time, Oscar. Um, not a post-mortem, a pre-mortem. Pre yes. A, a, a physical, an Oscar physical. <laughs> I guess would be a pre-mortem. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, this is yeah. Maybe this is the last one we do annual, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't know what the future. Well, we, we've done at least two, so yep. it's annual at this we point. Did, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, let's. Uh, we're gonna do similar to what we did last year. We're gonna go over the categories one by one. Um, yeah, you know, the major categories at least. Maybe touch on some that. Uh, yeah, some of the smaller ones if possible. But yeah, and and, and just uh, give it an overview and then go in depth once we get to best picture and. Talk about what we did like. And we both have our official rankings of the Oscar list. Indeed, the Best Picture nominees. We've ranked all 10. It's a full 10 uh, this year. How did you feel about this list, Rick? Was this was this list easier to rank than last year's um, or years before? I don't know if it's easier to rank relative to each other, but I, w I would say this. I think it was a lot better year than last year as far as Oscar movies went. I agree. I think my number one from last year, which was Liquor's Pizza, would probably be like three or four this year. I, I can see that too. I think Liquor's Pizza was my number two last year. Yeah. So I would probably be closer to my number five or six. Um, I liked it. I enjoyed it. But just it just was missing that extra half hour shave. Yeah. Um, and, and I think on the other end, I think my... My number 10 this year would probably be like my 7 or 8 last year. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I liked these movies quite a bit more than last year's rankings. I had, I had more fun seeing these movies. Um, part of the reason was because I got to see pretty much all except for one of them in the theater, which we didn't have that True. last year. It was still at the hanging on the edge of COVID there. And a lot of those releases weren't given the wide distribution. You know, of course, to be eligible, you do have to debut in the American cities at least for a week. So I wasn't able to get to see the, uh, some of those in the theater last year. And I think that takes away from the experience, too. Who knows? Maybe if I saw Power of the Dog in the theater with the crowd, maybe I would have liked it a lot more. Probably not. 
Uh, <laughs> and uh, we are also drinking uh, some of uh, Francis Ford Coppola's uh, wonderful, uh, yeah, wonderful wine. Where, little little uh, cab action. An old friend, Francis, it's, sent us a it's, bottle. It's Fat Tuesday, yeah. So we're having we're having some fun. He said, "I heard you two was doing the Oscar episode." That's how he talks, Frank. Well, he did make the Godfather. Frank, so. Frankie, come on the show. Future guest, Frank Coppola. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's let's dive in here. Um, do we have any? So let's let's take a look. You know, we're gonna go over probably uh, the acting nominations, directing, uh, as well as, uh, of course, best picture. Uh, do, you, do are there any other categories that you want to? to talk about like touch on the only the only contribution and in, in change i think we should make from this year to last year i think uh the 11th nominee give me an extra movie that's not on the list that should be on this list on their list not on our list on the, on the yeah. best picture okay on the official academy list okay um i think we'll, we'll get there so I'm, yeah. I'm gonna do it a little bit different we're gonna we're gonna go over once we get to best picture i'm gonna we're gonna get, give us some opportunity to talk about some more movies and yeah, you know, I've reached out to a couple of, of former guests, or a few former guests, I should say, and we're going to talk about some of the stuff that they like. Um, so let's uh, let's start with. As I pull up my notes, let's start with best supporting actress. Were you surprised by their list? I was surprised by a snub and I was a little surprised at one of the nominations because we've talked about that I've talked about this in the show I prefer one movie one category one nomination mm-hmm. uh, yeah so for my list I chose an actress between the two and everything everywhere all at once mm-hmm. uh, but let's look up the official list here so uh actress in supporting role the nominees are uh angela bassett in black panther wakanda forever hung chow in the whale carrie condon in banshees of minishiran jamie lee curtis uh for everything everywhere all at once and stephanie shu in everything everywhere all at once i of these nominees, I think there's there's a fair shot that Angela Bassett wins. Uh, she won the she won the Golden Globe. Yeah. She's I, I, you know she's a big name. I mean, in in the performance, very yes. strong performance. Here yes, was tremendous. But who would you give it to? Of this list, yeah. I mean, I think Angela Bassett's also going to win. Do you, yes. So who? But who would who would your choice be if you were if you were the king of the Oscars? Oh, so as king of the Oscars, this list, my girl's not on this list. Okay. Of these five, who would you pick okay. first? Then we'll we'll get to that. I'm still going with Angela Bassett. Okay. I'm going with Carrie Condon. She was tremendous. She was. I think that's that's a. I've followed her career for quite some time since she was on Rome, and I think it was like 2005. Um, she's wonderful in that movie. There's so many great performances in that movie, and she yeah. she 
hangs in there with much bigger, more established names. I, I think that movie is just a better character movie than Angela Bassett's movie. But I think Angela Bassett's presence has a bigger impact on making that a better movie, if that makes sense. Because if you yeah. take Carrie Condon out, you still have a pretty damn good movie. Yeah. And maybe you have an actress that could have played that role in, in a way similar to how she did it. Not as I'm not comparing talents, but maybe someone could have got, understood that role. Whereas I think Angela Bassett was the one at the time. Like, That's fair, and I'm I'm I'm, so, I'm happy to see her nominated. I'm glad the MCU got a nomination for acting. Yeah. Um, it's great, you know. I'm I'm an MCU honk here, but let's talk about who didn't get nominated. Okay. Let's let's go through. I'll go through my list here. Like it's Carrie Condon, of the Everything Everywhere actresses, I think Stephanie Shu. As much as I love Jamie Lee Curtis, as much as yeah. and she's great in that. <laughs> In this particular movie. Yeah, so so your rule of one one actress, one film. Yeah. I think this just knowing how these campaigns are run, Jamie Lee is oh, yeah. going to get it. This is if the, if this is the, the one Oh, movie, yeah, oh, yeah. No, this is the Rick Oscars. All right, the Rick Oscars. The, the Rick Oscars, right. so the, Stephanie Hsu is nominated. Role. Angela Bassett's honestly borderline for me. She's borderline because if I had to guess who your winner is, would that be Dolly DeLeon? In Triangle of Sadness. No. No. It, it would be uh, Shibley Dean. In? Triangle of Sadness. Okay. Um, who tragically passed yep. away in August. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like she is is not of that generation that or that personality that she's represented in that, you know, where there's a lot of caricatures. And I feel like she did a great job humanizing it and seeing the phases uh, the springs that her character goes through i felt like that performance stuck with me from that movie yeah i can see that i did want to shout out there's a lot of very good performances in women talking and choosing one i would go with rooney mara actually i think that's she gets she gets more to, to bite into in that movie yeah. than some of the other ones. I'm, I'm not saying that I had any problems with women talking, but if my if I did have a problem with it, it's that the performances were great, but I think that the material was just a little sub subpar to the performance. Sure. And, I, and I, I would say, I think there's a movie that got completely snubbed by the Oscars that I had a ton of fun with in the theater. We had a great time watching it. And it's borderline supporting versus lead actress, but Kiki Palmer in Nope. Yeah, that's a great movie. I mean, that was a great performance too. Yeah, she's, she's snubbed, so yeah. so much energy in that in that role. Fun to watch. Maybe the wrong genre, I guess. And also timing that was yep. like positioned in July, which yep. I'm I'm surprised to that, see yeah, that. Yeah, June July there. release. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think I think my winner is still Carrie Condon. Overall. Um, and is that who the Academy selects? No, I think it's going to be Angela Bassett. Yeah, I think so. I, I believe it will be Angela, Angela Bassett. And, and you know what? She's she's very good. Supporting actor. This one was just... How stuffed was this one this year? Stacked. Unbelievable. Stacked. So the, the, the official nominees from the Academy, we've got Brendan Gleeson, Banshees of Inishirin, Brian Tyree Henry in Causeway, which I did not get to see. 
Uh, I also missed that one, unfortunately. Yeah. Judd Hirsch and the Fablemans. Barry Keegan. Keoghan. I believe it's Keegan. Colhane? <laughs> Barry, I think it's Keegan, uh, in Banshee's Vinishiran, and Kiwi Kwan for everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. Let's get it out of the way. Yeah. Mortgage the house, bet all your money on Kiwi Kwan. Especially if you see He's, Indiana Jones come yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> if Harrison Ford opens the show, guess what's happening? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, he's he's going to win. He's won every award leading up to this. He's like the great Hollywood story this year. He's winning. Is he your winner? It's hard to argue against that winner. It is. I I initially had him lower on my list. I did, but then I sat with the performance. Yeah. Especially like the um, the Wong Kar Wai shout out, where you know it's you know if I had my chance, you know, I'd be if I was just doing taxes and laundry with you, I'd be, I'd be like oh it's like oh yeah. oh there's so much heart there, um, and it's he's he's crept up, but to me this is a it's a three horse race yeah for what who my who I would want to win. Uh, I, I feel like. Key Hain is doing. Keegan is yes. What is what? He's one of my three yeah. horses. Okay. Um, he's, I think, um, picking a nominee from that movie, as as much respect that I have for Brendan Gleeson, and as much as I enjoy that performance, I think Barry Keegan is phenomenal. Let's just say Brendan Gleeson at this point is such a master. Yeah. That there's he there's no bad choices. Wakes up, he pisses excellent. There's, there's there's no bad acting yeah. anywhere in, yeah. in anything he's done for the past fifteen years. He's a he's a master. Right. That said, this guy Barry. Yeah, he's we're gonna be talking about him for a long time. Yeah. And this is kind of his you know, he's he's been great in everything I've seen him in, but this is kind of his emergence into I think he's going to be perennial Oscar contender. So, my, those, those are two of my horses. My third horse was not nominated. And this, I feel, is the biggest snub of this category. Paul Dano in The Fablements. Yeah. Mm, that's true. What the fuck are we doing here? Judd Hirsch, excellent, comes in, great scene. Paul Dano, I don't want to say he carries the movie, but he shares quite a bit of the load. And he, yeah. he's such an interesting character, to to me. Um, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts? Who who you, where are you at in the Fablemans, as far as nominees in this category go? Um, you know, I definitely don't think that Judge Hirsch. I love Judge Hirsch. Maybe it's time for him. What is he already got one for ordinary people at some point? Sure. But yeah. I think it's time for him to get another statue or another nominee, like grow that resume. But yeah, if you're talking the Fablemans and you're talking male performers in the supporting role, I think you've got to go Paul Dano or even Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen had a great performance as well. In the two father figures of that. Because he puts you in a position, uh, the writer and director, where he he has these characters, but he tells you all the best things about them, but they're all still human. And it's like, look, guys, this is what happened. This was the situation. Don't hate Seth Rogen. He still did this for me. And don't be mad at my dad it's, for the way he was. He was a genius. It's difficult not to fall in love with Michelle Williams. Is is you know if she's if you're hanging around all the time. Yeah. Here's some uh, some alternates. 
for this category. A movie that came out way too early that was super fun and got no play at all is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Oh, yeah. And Pedro Pascal, who is kind of the bell of the ball on TV right now, is a crazy performance, and I and I love it. Um, if there was an Oscar for just the first half of the year, before yes. any Oscar movies came out, I probably would have won it. Yeah. For all yeah. around, Best Picture. Well, there's another there's another one which we'll talk about. All right. Yeah, that we'll, we'll get to. Um, Woody Harrelson, Triangle Sadness. Yeah, that was my pick to yeah. win. When I either him or the actor uh, Zatok Birik, I thought yeah. either one of those guys would have gotten nominated. the scene where they're you know the the Russian capitalists and the American communists. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Uh, but I think I, if I had to pick the best part of that movie, it was Woody for me. I think Woody like was my overall pick in that category, aside from the 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 Academy's list, mm-hmm. because I had never seen the same much the way Angela Bassett just kind of legitimizes Black Panther. I've never seen one guy come into a movie like that and just take over. It, he yeah. takes it takes it over, but he, yeah. he steps it up. Like yeah, he legitimizes everything. And Brings it from a seven on. to yeah, a nine exactly. just by walking on the screen. Yeah, and um, listen, if we're gonna talk Marvel movies, we get to talk Tenoch Huerta in Black Panther as Namor. I he's my pick for best Marvel performance this year. If we're talking the, the MCU Oscars, he's my he's my my top actor. Yeah, it was, for it was, for twenty twenty two. Yeah, because at this point, you know the the audience whether they know it or not, they've been exposed to Aquaman. They they don't really know the Submariner. Yeah, and that the direction that the writer went with it, making it ethnocentric to the themes that run through the Black Panther series and these ancient cultures, these lost in the strong powerful cultures. This kid was awesome. He was great. And I, I can't wait to see more of him in the MCU. I think let's let's take a let's take a aside from for, at the for the MCU at this point, right? A lot of a lot of gnashing of teeth, like is this the end of the MCU as as the dominant force in Hollywood? And maybe just because, you know, things don't last forever. But what what do we want? Part twenty eight, twenty nine? Where's some, something like numerically that. something like, like that. Part thirty. You know, we just you know, we're recording you know, Ant-Man just came out this past week. And I liked it more than most people seem to like it. But I think what Phase 4 and especially the movies last year were doing a lot of were... And Ant-Man kind of has this too. Where maybe it's not the best, like, breaking point for a phase. The thing that Phase 4 did is every... Almost every single movie Phase 4 did was like, here's this thing that you haven't seen... For XYZ reason. Mm-hmm. And now it's going to be part of the MCU going forward. So, and that's that's what a lot, like, I think all of the movies did, you know, like, be it the multiverse itself, be it, you know, the, yeah, it's not Atlantis, whatever they call, you know, the, yeah. the, the Submariner mm-hmm. uh, home, um, you know, going back even to the Eternals, like, oh, they were here, um, you know, be it. You know whatever, whatever Thor was doing. Well, you yeah, know, they're expanding the universe. Yes, mm-hmm. um, and I think what they're going to do is take what works and move it going forward, and maybe some of the stuff that didn't work as well. Kind of, you yeah. know, see you later, Thanos's brother, played by well, worst, maybe worst performance of the year, Harry Styles, and <laughs> uh, don't worry, just, darling. Just look at the um, which I walked out of. I didn't finish that one. 
Don't worry, here, here's, Yes. Right, so here's here's the thing. Here's this is. I already seen that movie a thousand times, and Florence Pugh good in that. Uh, it was supposed to be in Harry Styles' role, Shia LaBeouf. I don't know how far you made it in, but it turns out the character that Harry Styles was playing is like a scumbag. Yeah, yeah, of yes. Course. We've done this movie yeah. two thousand times. And, you know, Shia LaBeouf's a way better scumbag. Yeah. Well, I left when I looked at the clock and I was like, ah, oh, you know, we still got an hour of this. Like, can yeah. we want to go eat some shrimp? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so that's that's the. I, I think in the context before we move on from the MCU, you also yeah. like have to think about behind the scenes. Look at the corporate mandates, new streaming platform. Yeah. How do you top Endgame? How do you top yeah. the Sony? You know, Sony was working on that Spider Man movie for a few years. Right. They got away with keeping big secrets since sure. the hack. You know. Then, yeah. So it's like they had a lot of um, uh, behind the scenes. Used to be Kevin Feige ran the show. Wasn't quite that way with the last phase, phase four, going Listen, into if, phase five. If we're going to turn this into a Disney CEO conversation. Well, that's part of it. Yep. And it seems like um, our returning CEO, Bob I Iger, at least is saying the right things as far as... Um, that was so hot. It was, I know. <laughs> that's the thing about radio. You guys... Yeah, you don't know idea. You don't know idea what magnificent. Yeah. <laughs> The things I will do to stop there anything in my house from staining. Well, uh, if you if you join the premium, you can see, <laughs> you can see that video. Um, no, but I um, no, I think he's saying. I think Iger's saying the right thing as far as we're gonna have the creators have more input as far as how much content is coming out. Yeah. As far as where that content is landing, um, yeah. Whereas our previous CEO wasn't, you know, Bob Chapek was so hyper-focused on Disney Plus and yeah. churning stuff out. Well, that that's what it is. You judge a good CEO by how much cocaine do they do. And if it's a moderation guy, he can be effective. Yeah. Creatively and business-wise. But when it's a guy who's completely coked out all the time, that's how you end up <laughs> with, like, the last year and a half of Disney. Um, allegedly. Uh <laughs> I've, oh no! We, I have, we know these people. This listen, <laughs> I have no direct proof that that Bob Chapek or Bob Iger, for that matter, is doing cocaine. They all are. I, I'm just saying. The, I'm just it. saying. As soon as Bob Chapek became CEO, he grew a racial rule beard. So you know, do 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 what you want with that information. Just think of Chappelle's show. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> it sure is. Uh, not that I would know. So let's go to um, let's go to Best Actress. Nominees are Kate Blanchett in Tar, Anna de Armas in Blonde, Andrea Riseborough in To Leslie, Michelle Williams in The Fablemans, excuse me, Michelle Williams in The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh in Everything Everywhere All at Once. Two, three things to, to discuss here with this list of nominations. Is Michelle Williams a lead or is she supporting? <clears throat> she has to be the lead just by number of scenes. If Paul Dano is supporting, because isn't she also supporting? Well, because the lead in that case would be um, the Spielberg the, character. Yes. I don't know if you're talking about Spielberg character. This There's, is Sammy Fableman. Sammy Fableman. Yeah. <laughs> the great filmmaker. Yes, <laughs> yes of course. <laughs> okay, let's... let's we'll... And there was a lot more male characters with juicy sure. roles. Sure, okay. Um, especially David Lynch second thing 
I want to discuss in this. The Andrea Riseborough nomination. I have yeah. not seen Two Leslie. Okay. Uh, you have not seen it either, correct? Let me jump ahead of this. Yeah. Because I think I know where you're going with this. She did not steal any spots. I agree. I agree. Um, I don't think she stole it, but my... my Ana Diamas stole the spot. We're going to get to that in a second. Um, what do you think of the... I mean, do you think the... So for those of you that don't know, they're listening. I don't know why you're listening to an Oscar podcast and you don't know this, but um, essentially the typical way you get an Oscar nomination is you basically run a campaign. We talked about this in the show. I talked about this with Derek before. And, uh, you I'll, schmooze... I'll interrupt you real quick yep. because the actress and actor campaign are just amongst the actors and the actresses. Right. Whereas the best picture... Is amongst the academy, sure, and all the um, you know, all the all the different unions have their have their subdivisions of awards. So this one is only going to be voted on by actresses. Yeah. So if you can get that audience captive, yes, you can sway that audience. Now, typically, you spend money on it. You take out ads and magazines oh, for, for your consideration. Spend yes. money on it. Sure. No, I mean not as much as Harvey did. Um, Eighty-eight Harvey Fuckstick. Eighty-eight but, Oscars. Yes. Um, not to that degree, but usually you you send out for your consideration. You send out screeners potentially. You you know you, you maybe you have some parties. Not the Golden Globes to that extent, but you know you you, you run a campaign. Andrea Risebro, instead of doing that, she's a she's a, a well liked. Respected actress. Character actress. Character actress. She has some... She, along the course of her career, has made some very influential friends. And basically, she emailed them mm-hmm. and said, Hey, why don't you consider my role in this movie to Leslie? Now, everything I've heard about this role is she's outstanding in it. I've not had a chance to watch it. Which is one of the perks of fatherhood. You don't get as much opportunity to watch movies. Um... Do you think this affects Oscar campaigning going forward? So, in 1960, Chill Will, the character actor, was nominated for Best Actor or Supporting Actor for The Alamo, John Wayne's The Alamo. And the controversy about that back then was that his ad was in the L.A. Times. They said, that's a dirty trick. Because you're not supposed and to... Now that's the standard. Not, now that's yeah. the standard. They said, you're not supposed to let people know that this is how we do it. I think that it does need a tweaking because there is a very huge performance that kids can learn from in, the, in a class that got snubbed because of the way the campaign system went. And it had to do with who Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet got behind. You know? Sure. You got friends like that and all the people they know and everyone who they're voting for, you can lock down a lot of votes. Yes, and that's, that's what happened here. Going, I remember when nominations were announced, there were two roles. I've unfortunately not been able to see the movies. Two roles that were heavily expected to be nominated. And that would be, you know... Well, Daniel uh, Deadweiler. Daniel Deadweiler and Till. For Till. And in The Woman King... Uh, our our newest uh, our newest egot, uh, Viola Davis. Now, unfortunately, as it shook out, that's two women of color, 
that were two black women specifically. It's, it's, it's a little bit worse than that though, because these are black subjects. Yes. This is about Yes, these are about Emmett Till. Yes. Which is probably and the most um one of the most significant events of the 20th century in terms of race relations and of course the slave trade and colonialism yes so again i've not seen those movies uh i've so i can't speak to whether or not these are egregious snubs chris you have seen those movies here's here's why it's i would say you're more trending more towards egregious and it's not all Weisboro's fault. And no, she's not my pick for the best actor of the year, uh, actress in a leading role, but blonde. Yeah, that was my third thing I want to talk about. Yeah, so, so if you want to Fuck segue into you, that. Academy, yeah. for making me yeah. watch. I have precious time to watch movies. Mm-hmm. I try to be selective. Yeah. I'm, when I'm not changing diapers, I, I get to pick and choose. Fuck you for making me watch Blonde. That movie is, is the worst comment section on the most clickbait article. Those guys made that movie. I was trying to describe. Listen, and listen, Anna de Armas, great actress. She's gonna be back. Oh, absolutely. She's tremendous. She's, you know, I hate to, I hate to go all Michael Caine on this, but we're gonna see Anna de Armas. We're gonna see you so many times up here. Even she got a nomination in the worst movie. Yes. That movie is so aggressively bad. Like, and, and it's it's not, it's my least, it's, listen, there are worse crafted movies that I've seen this year, but that was my least favorite movie that I saw this year. And Smut. it's, it's that, it's because it's not even that it's bad. It's that they think they're so much more clever than they are, right? Yeah. Like, okay, we're going to cut, she's going to be... Marilyn Monroe, who... The story of her life is interesting enough without this bullshit. But, like, we're gonna go... She's gonna be being basically double-teamed in a movie theater by two actors. And she's gonna have an orgasm watching her own movie as she's strangled to death on screen. We're clever. Fuck off. Like... Yeah, I'm surprised that stories of my life were stolen for this to be made into yeah, that's true you've been double teamed by two actors <laughs> in a movie no uh, and then, then you have she's like raped by John F. Kennedy because you know what that's symbolism yeah. because you know powerful well, men yeah, used yeah. her well he was the patriarchy yes yeah, he's sure. a villain now right and we're gonna we're gonna shoot her blowing John F. Kennedy from her nose up and like it, it's the the choices they made and you know what oh we're changing the format of the movie so we know that she feels boxed in because the language of the movie doesn't already fucking tell us that fuck that movie she, she she's a good actress she doesn't belong here my opinion but who does belong here uh is it daniel detweiler i'm not she belongs there and she wins in my that's okay. what i thought after watching okay. that movie i've never seen a movie that me and the company i'm with cry for 45 minutes straight not because we want to, not because it's just the movie makes you do that, and it comes from the acting. Now, let's before we get to that, before we get to some other uh, alternates here, I think this is Kate Blanchett's award to lose. So when I first saw this movie, I thought, oh, this Kate, she's getting her Oscar polish ready. Yes. This is, yeah. I'm going to come out in October, so I hadn't seen everything yet by that point. 
But when I saw it, I was like, oh, Oscar polish time. Yeah. Michelle Yeoh has some steam behind her, and she's she's wonderful in everything everywhere. But I, I think it's Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Um, some other actresses to consider here. You were not as high on this movie as I was, but Janelle Monae in Glass Onion. I respect that. Yep. Amber Mid-Thunder in Prey. Never seen it. Fun. I heard good things. Fun. She's excellent. She's she's great. A movie that no one ever is no one is ever going to talk about again. But this this actress is so good in this role in a bad movie. Not as bad as as Blonde, but uh, Amy Adams in Disenchanted. Which one was Disenchanted? It's the sequel to Enchanted. It was Disney Plus released. Oh, okay, okay, I missed that one. She's. She's like rapping in it. She's great. She's she's phenomenal. It's fun. It yeah. would never get nominated, yeah. but she's fun in it. Here's the one. Here's the one. Lay it on me. We talked about this this woman, Mia Goth in Pearl. Yeah. Wrong genre. It's a horror movie, unless it's dressed up like Get Out or, you know, or or it's they can justify it themselves. The Academy. They'll never nominate a horror movie, which is bullshit. She should be nominated. She should be, maybe not win, because Blanchett and Yo are powerhouses this year. Yeah. And Detweiler apparently is as well. I haven't seen it. So I, I, I don't I disagree with that. Especially when you put up Blonde, which basically is a horror movie. Yeah. And, and you know, Mia Goth would be a phenomenal Marilyn Monroe, too. If they, but like a legitimate take on Marilyn Monroe. Not, yes. Not this um, thing they did. Yes. Whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, I can't disagree with that. Yeah. There's so much of that that she gets right, um, especially of relating to. And, you know, it's a trope in horror movies about mental illness, how they exploit it. You know, this one has this, and that's why he's like this. Mm-hmm. But the way Mia Goth portrayed that character, the relationship to things like, you know, schizophrenia, borderline personality, it ch- it switches who you cheer for in that movie. Yes. And it kind of does a, you do a flip. As a, as a member of the audience, you used to be like, oh, get, you got to get away from Jason. Jason's bad. Yeah. In this one, with all of her, you know, abuses and, and uh, <laughs> her spree towards the end in the third it's, act. It's interesting because it is yeah. so similar to Blonde in a way where it's like this woman is being abused in so many, from so many different directions. But it's, it's not as, it's weirdly, despite being not, I mean, it's not a slasher, but it's a slasher adjacent. It's I could I could call it yeah, a slasher. It's it, less exploit it it's less exploitative than Blonde, yeah. which is a prestige <laughs> fucking Marilyn Monroe quote unquote drama. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fucking Blonde. Best actor. This is an easy one. Okay. So I don't know if it's an easy one, but it is for me. I mean, this is a walk-in for me. Okay. I mean, me and the Academy. The Academy might go a different way, but I think we both have Brendan Fraser for The Whale. I've not seen The Whale. That's, I, that's why it's not I mean, an This is unfortunate. Now, here the nominees are Austin Butler in Elvis, uh, Colin Farrell in The Banshees of Inishirin, Brendan Fraser in The Whale, Paul Mescal in After Sun, Bill Nye in Living, which we both have not seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've I, I've seen Akira, at least, the movie that it's it's a remake of. Bill Nye would be would feast in that role. I'm sure he's great. What it seems to be is a three horse race for the actual Oscars mm-hmm. between Fraser, Farrell, and Butler. Unfortunately, it's not going to be Farrell. 
That's great. He deserves it. But it's not going to be him. Farrell they, they must just, be my winner. They just have an issue with him. They, they don't care yeah. how good he is. I think there's a chance that Austin Butler wins. I think there's a real chance because from what I'm hearing, mm-hmm. the more lowercase c conservative um, branch of the Academy really likes that performance. Um, and it's a good, it's a great performance. Yeah, I mean, that it's, was an easy yeah. one, yeah. Yeah. Get your polish ready back in July. Yes. Yeah. I think Brendan Frazier, if, I mean, this one, unfortunately, doesn't have the box office of Elvis or Banshees. I think if everybody sees that movie, they get, they give him the award. Do If they do their diligence I, and they watch their screenings or they go out to it. My winner is Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell is the MVP of the year. Colin Farrell almost made my honorable mentions for supporting actor for the Batman, to be honest. Yeah, um, same. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to throw this at you like I'm kicking dirt. Yeah, Colin Farrell was my pick until I saw the will. Okay, that's that's fine. I I, just, I didn't get a chance to see it. I will see it at some point. I went into um, the will post publicity, post film festival sure. debut, right around the Golden Globes win. And I, and I know, like, things get overrated in society, so when you sit down to experience it for yourself, be aware that it's overrated. It's appropriate that it's called The Whale, because it is my fucking Moby Dick that I did not get a chance to see this year. And Moby uh, Dick is a through line to yeah, the film. Okay. Right? It's, a, it's a theme with us. All right, great. But uh, I just think that that's a performance that, in, in Colin Farrell was great, he was tremendous. I think that's a performance that we're going to be talking about. And we'll forget the whale. We'll forget the movie. But we'll remember Brendan Fraser. Especially because it's going to kickstart now. He's going to... Next year, two years from now, we're going to be talking about, oh, the blockbusters that Brendan Fraser is in again. Maybe that's why he had Batman canceled. At Batgirl? Batgirl. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was Fraser all along. He calls up. He's like, yeah. He, he's his character from Crash. He's the DA or whatever. It's like, hey, um, David... Um, Mr. Zablo, um, I don't think, I don't think this works out. This, this doesn't work for me, brother. Yeah, I, I just to speak to After Sun, I will say, that's a movie I did not love. Um, I texted you while I was watching it. It's very slow. See my notes from when we wrote it? From when, after yep. I seen them, I write my notes. So, you know, that was where I was. Yep. At. Yeah, this is, this is Chris, uh, you proving that he's, he's a big Colin Farrell supporter. <laughs> huge. Huge. Um, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that it's a great performance. I think the ending of After Sun is really great. And if you haven't, I don't, you haven't seen it, correct? Okay. So, um, do you mind if I spoil it? Go, We're yeah. spoiling After Sun. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the plot of After Sun is, takes place in the early 2000s for the most part, and it's a father and daughter that are on a, a, a vacation together. It's a, yeah, they're, the parents are not together, it's just the father and the daughter. Throughout the movie, you learn that it's, a, it's heavily implied that after this vacation, the father committed suicide. And it is the daughter watching the video that she had taken of the, of, of the vacation. Yeah, the experience. Yes, and you get to see sort of the last happy moments of them together and the the end scene where um they like dance together it's it's like it's a truly wonderful like kind of like brings it all together 
with like a half hour, forty five minutes in, I was like, "What are we doing here?" Wow, really? I was like, "What?" I was like, "What?" Like, I was ready to not like the movie. That far into it, you were wondering what the fuck. I was happening? yes, because it's it's so much like slice of life stuff. Where it's yeah, just yeah. like, "We're what are we doing? How's this gonna come together?" The ending made the movie that I liked. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a movie that I'm gonna revisit, but a lot of what I liked about it is Paul Mescal. Some people that uh, I think maybe should have gotten some some play. We've talked about this movie before. Nick Cage, the unbearable weight of mass talent. He makes out with himself, a younger version of himself, which is you know, it's great. Yeah. He's and he's he's fun. Nick it's Nick Cage. You, you know where you're getting. And he's uh, he's on fire here. Here's the other movie that, if it came out six months later, eight months later, would have been all over these categories. Alexander Skarsgård. Alexander Skarsgård, he's for me to say. That's a mouthful. In The Northman. Yeah, what, what, that came out in the dead zone. Came out in February. Yeah. Excellent performance. Incredible movie. Inc- great movie. Maybe a little too weird for, for some of the Academy members, but... I don't know, though. It's doing, you know... <clears throat> they all know the story of Hamlet. Sure. Yeah. I mean... Relatable enough for them. Yeah, but I mean, he's tripping with, you know, knacking like a, you know, barking like a dog with, you know... It, it, you know, we got a Swedish friend, and that's just what they do. That's true. I can't count the number of times <laughs> that I've seen Swedish, people of Swedish descent <laughs> on all fours barking like a dog. We just walk down the street. We see it every day. Um, <laughs> on God knows what. Ray Fiennes in the menu. Leading role or supporting? That's, a, that's the yeah. question. That's the question. I think you are missing one, though, from this category. Who am I missing? You gotta, you know, if if Tom Cruise is the god okay, who, okay. who parted the Red Sea, the prophet, you gotta give him that okay. little extra love. That's you know? that's fair. Do that's... I do I think that that performance is is like worthy of study? No, but for what this movie like has come to represent culturally, I don't think you have anything to lose to just say, hey, you know what, Tom Cruise for Top Gun. Yeah. Uh, okay, director. So, this was a very well-directed year. It indeed was. All right, best director. So, uh, nominees are Martin McDonough in The Banshees of Inishirin, The Daniels, Quan and Shinert, Shinert, in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Steven Spielberg, future guest of the show. Steve, come on. Who's that? Is that a rookie filmmaker? Yep, I've never heard him before. It's a semi-autobiographical film right here. Uh, for The Fablemans, Todd Field, uh, who, if you don't know, was in Twister. Uh, that's where you probably know him from. Um, <laughs> for Tar and uh, Ruben Ostland for Triangle of Sadness. Who do you have winning here? Who, who should win? Who will win? Well, these, like I said, these are very well directed. This is a great field. Everything was great. Um, who should win out of this category is Tar, is Todd Field. Interesting. Because this is a movie that's you know, th- almost three hours where the payoffs don't really come until the last 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And you, he, some way he gets you to stick with it, even though it's going to be out of all of our realm because none of us work in, in a major league orchestra. Speak for yourself. <laughs> none, of, none of us. I've dabbled. Rick, are, are, are familiar with major league orchestra. In, uh, <laughs> That's the league. That's what's called major league orchestra. <laughs> the way he unfolds the story in the way it's, you know, acted out, the performance, it brings you to what, in, in the final 30 minutes, is the promised land, 
but you stick with it all this time because the movie works so well in the way it's directed. Yeah. Because for a good hour of it, you're asking, what is this and where's it going? I have... So, who should win for me? I can see it going to Spielberg. I can, I can, I, I do like that. Academy-wise, Spielberg probably does win. I think it's the Daniels. I think they, I think they have the steam behind them, and that's a very well-directed movie. That's yeah, they're flexing in a lot of ways. I, I feel like that with young hip guys. There's members that are older than us yes. that are going to see that. I think that's the split this year. Yeah, and they're I not, the, not going to yeah. go I Daniels. Think, I think that's the split, but do they do they all go Spielberg? Do they someone go Todd Field? Is there a split within the split? I and think the, if, if it comes down to that, I think they all go Spielberg because that's the name. We'll see. That, we'll see. Know. And you know what? That's an incredibly well-directed movie as well, of course. It's Steven Spielberg. Yes. Um my winner for the year, though, my favorite directed movie of the year, is not nominated. And that is going to be, for me, S.S. Rajamouli for RRR. So, let's just call it R3 going forward. So we don't have to say It's ah, R. Ah, the ah, movie is ah, 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 yeah, ah, yeah. It's ah, tough for ah, Boston, guys. Yeah. So, it's ah, ah, ah. Yeah. That movie is, for, for most people out there listening and who watch movies, is like nothing you've ever seen. It's everything you could imagine in a movie, in a movie. <laughs> but everything, everywhere, all at once... Is also that, yes. ...has taken that slot this year. Yes. And I think that yeah. they said, look, look, our boat's full. Everything, everywhere is this, you know, evolutionary action style. I mean, RRR to me, R3, <laughs> to me was the better movie. And I agree with you. Yeah. It's absent where it shouldn't be. Yeah. But I think it's just they went with they had they had a split like talking about splits and they went with everything everywhere. Yeah, here's a movie that I'm I'm actually I'm surprised was was not nominated for direction, uh, and I think maybe um, Ruben Oslin took this spot um, just because he kind of came out of nowhere at the very end of the nomination process. Uh, Edward Berger Berger for All Quiet on the Western Front. That's another one that's it's a war movie. It's right in the pocket. Not that I would say, I, I wouldn't say this person wins, but right in the pocket. It's a war movie. These, again, lowercase c conservative members of the Academy would eat that shit up. And it, I mean, it's going to it's gonna win foreign picture because RR for, ah, 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 for whatever reason. R3's not there. R3. R3, R3 cube is not there. It's not even there. Yeah, which is bizarre. And I, it's I, also a trillion times better than Western Front. Because I've seen Western Front before. Uh, yeah. For a hundred years I've yeah. been watching that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I would say so as well. But it, it seems right in the pocket for, for everything. And, you know, I'm always... And another shout out here, Robert Eggers for The Northman. Eggers is going to get his, but it's it's still... Everyone's still trying to figure him out. We get him right yeah. away because he's a New Hampshire guy, New York guy. Yeah. Like, he's one of us. He's into the same shit as us. We get him right away. It's going to take America a little bit longer to catch up with him. And when they do, he's going to get it all. Yeah, no, he's going to... Yeah. He's, he's going to have a... Out of nowhere, he's going to ma- have a massive hit. Yeah. Two, three movies down the line. I feel like... Um, Everyone's going to be like, where'd this guy come from? He's got such weird movies, but he's going to pick up steam. He, he just has to... And, and I love art film, of course. 
he had and once he tones down the art a little bit and goes a little bit more mainstream, that's when he crosses the finish line. And you look yeah. at this last one, you're like, oh, maybe this is the mainstream one. It's not. It's not. It's, <laughs> it's so strange. It's such a weird movie. It's like mainstream topics. But um, my biggest snub from this and the one that I, uh, the director that I thought should have been there, is again going back to Till, which was snubbed all okay. around everywhere. Um, it would have been a, a black woman nominated for the award. Something the Academy checked me on it has never had. Yeah. Um, she did an amazing job directing other performances, the pacing, and the the bravery that some of the. It takes courage to do some of the scenes the way they did them, and they did it with balls out. And yeah, um, I and little shout out to my to my superhero movies here. You get Matt Reeves in the Batman, who's just you know he's 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 doing Fincher, but he's doing Fincher well. Uh, and, uh, you know, this, another guy who, no matter what he does, you and I like this movie a lot more than most people, Sam Raimi. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. he's just doing Raimi shit. If he, if he just, they just let him do Raimi shit the whole movie instead of the, just the, like, last half of the movie, then that, that would work much better for me. Um. I mean, the Evil Dead saved the day in that. Absolutely, yeah. they did. <laughs> can't, can't, I mean, I wish he was directing the, uh. Evil Dead Rise, but, you know. The Evil Dead, if, for those of you who haven't seen the latest Sam Raimi Doctor Strange movie, it's Zombie Strange. It's the evil spirits that save the day against the Scarlet Witch. Yes. Absolutely. I wish I only wish that that um, the character of Ash was in it, as opposed to just just having the actor. Ash Light. Yeah. I don't know. Papa Pizza always gets paid. Pizza Papa. Uh, <laughs> so... Now we uh, now we come to the big one, uh, best picture. So what we're gonna do here uh, is we're gonna go back and forth, count it down ten to one. I would say the to me my we'll we'll get to it. But what what I'm gonna do here is I'm gonna go with my ten, and then before I say my nine, I'm gonna. Say all the movies I rank above ten between nine. Oh, so you have a list. I have a list. I've been okay. keeping track of my movies all year in anticipation of this very night. But let's start with you, Chris. You just mentioned this one. My number ten for the year. A movie I've been watching for a hundred years. <laughs> Done again here in beautiful HD, 4K, UHD, streaming. All quiet on the Western front. Yeah. Here's I think here's my my take and we'll, we'll get we'll get i guess to my take here i think it starts really good an excellent first 15 20 minutes whatever that ends up being and then i'm not interested <laughs> and then the tank scene happens and the tank scene is like wow this is fucking incredible yeah and then they just kind of like it's like it's everything after the first act basically would be better communicated by text on the screen saying war is terrible. War is bad. War is bad. War bad. Do you get it? Yeah. Do you get it? Yeah. Um, War was very bad, actually. Yes. Yeah. But I I liked it a bit more than you, but... um, I I feel like now we have to compare movies against this genre because that's just where we're at in, like, human history. And I feel like every great war movie switches it up and it kind of evolves the genre. Just to rattle off a few, Apocalypse Now... Yeah. Change war movies. Yeah. 
Saving Private Ryan and The Thin Red Line in the same year, you just changed war movies. Yeah. Now we're in this like lull, right? Where we've kind of deconstructed them so much to the point where war movies are more like Paths of Glory, which yeah. it's not necessarily a war movie, but it has a war setting. This movie was like, to me, yeah, I know. I know. I get it. Yeah, no. I get it. I know. And uh, it w- I think I texted you and be like, this would be better as a short film. And like... The f- maybe one directed by Sammy Fableman. Maybe. <laughs> if Sammy Fableman made All Quiet on the Western Front. All right, so... Well, before we move on from this yeah. one, I do have a Nazi Kill of the Year. Nazi Kill of the Year! <laughs> yeah, okay. This is World War One, so this yeah, is surprising. They're the precursors to Nazis. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what happens after they, they you know, France pushes back, <laughs> yeah. they come back and they invade France again. So Nazi Kill of the Year... Is that one scene when the tank hits the trench and runs? <laughs> yes, yeah. and squeezes them like a tube of toothpaste. It was great. So, yeah, so that's. I actually here's here's the thought that I had, and it's very sad, in like the context of the movie where the like the soldier is being like, my son died, and I was thinking I was like, that kid didn't have much of a future, right? <laughs> in Germany in 1921 what, what, what or whatever. Miss, it was. Like he missed yeah. out on a big match in downtown yeah. Munich. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, I, there's a good chance I wouldn't like that kid if he grew up. This is a German film. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're not gonna have a negative portrayal of German soldiers here. Yeah. So for reference, my number ten ranked Oscar movie is my number twenty one ranked movie of the year. So it doesn't even crack the top. Doesn't crack top. And I liked it. I really, I actually, right. I really liked right. this movie. All right. So you did a lot of watching it. I did. I, I, I just kept track of a lot of stuff. Um, and that would be women talking. Uh, which, some good performances. I was right there with this. This in the Western Front sure. were neck and neck. And the okay. reason I went with women talking was because, like you just said, good performances. Good performances. The vibe was just kind of like. It was malaise. Yeah. Like, the... I, I don't know what it was that kept it from clicking with me. Because the content yeah. is something that I would engage with normally. You heard the story, um, style over substance. Yes. So what happens when you have substance with no style? Yes, that's that's exactly what it is. Uh, you know, I, I actually should shout out um, the one male character in this movie... I um, love this kid. He's a great actor. He is. I, I'm blanking on his name Benjamin, right now. Benjamin, um, go ahead. Yeah, he's in James Bond. He's cute. He's the new Q. Yeah. He's, um, Did you say he's cute or Q? Because he's both. He's, <laughs> yes. Um, no, but he's... Um, yeah, Women Talking it is... Uh, Excellent actor, our age, British guy. Yes, yes. Uh, he, he, he gives a... a, a great performance hey he, he redeems us men in general he does in this he's movie. like the one good <laughs> man but you know and ben witcher which ben witcher benjamin witcher yes claire foy great performance jesse bucky great performance rooney mara like i said i would nominate her um for for supporting actress it just for whatever reason just the the gestalt of it just yeah. didn't work for me there were a lot of good pieces that didn't quite add mm-hmm. up to, to something that worked for me. I, I think this one, I saw this kind of late. This was one of the later movies I saw. It's actually my number nine, so sure. I'll just roll right into roll that. Into and uh, I think if it came out a little bit earlier and maybe it captivated my attention because I was thirsty for prestige films in the earlier, and I'm like, oh, I want to see them all. I got to see everything. I think if it came out there where, where I wasn't seeing so many great films, 
I could have it could be higher. But by the time I saw this, I saw all these tremendous films. Yeah. And it's like, well, guys, what you're doing is like black box theater compared to Hollywood. And this, to yeah. me, I call this year the return of the movies. Sure. Because movies are coming back in a big way. Movies are two back this year. There's going to be some, like, there's going to yeah. be some, it's going to be similar to like 18, 19, where it's like, this movie should have been a huge hit, but it's going to be squall- swallowed up. Yeah. The yeah. month of March, yeah. there's going to be at least one movie that's like, why did this flop? And it's just because there's fucking... It's a shark tank. Don't make their money back on streaming and sure. Blu-ray and rentals. Well, who the hell knows what the streaming there. industry is right now, though? That's true, too. But you said you had this at number 21. 21. 21. All right. Okay, here's uh, between my, my... After this, I have Prey, which you said you did not see, which I really liked. It's a... It's a straight-down-the-middle Predator movie. I think it's the second-best Predator movie. Um, really fun. Of course, he means to Predator with um, Adrian Brody. Yes, Predators, <laughs> yes. Um, then I have the... So that's my 20. My 19 is The Menu, which... Um, interesting story about The Menu. Um, and going back to some be- greatest movie of all time lore, um, I asked some of our former guests what their favorite movie of the year was last year. And, uh, and of course, our beloved co-host, Derek... Um, as well. He said this was his favorite movie of the year. My brother Anthony, who, if you recall correctly, uh, him and Derek have some um, diametrically opposed tastes in movies in a lot I of mean, cases. I mean, just call it what it is. This feud is like... It's, it's yes. Muhammad Ali and um, Joe... Joe Frazier? Joe Frazier. Yeah. Um, Anthony, who I did not ask what his favorite movie, his least favorite movie of the year was, told me what his favorite was and then volunteered that The Menu was his least favorite movie of the year. Um, unprompted. Uh, I think he asked you if you're making a list of worst movies. <laughs> yeah, is your number Fuck one. the menu, <laughs> which is strange. Um, I, I think um, based on what Anthony had said is that he was. I think maybe he was looking for like a more straight down the middle um, criticism of the rich, and I think the menu is more of like a criticism of elitism, uh, which does dabble with the rich, of course, but uh, it's maybe not exactly what he was looking for. My next movie is Barbarian, which was Anthony's favorite movie of the year. So it's interesting that I have his favorite and least favorite back-to-back. Did you see Barbarian? I didn't get a chance. Highly recommended. I don't... This is the one movie of all the movies. And by the way, we're in the 20s here. I love all these movies. I really, truly enjoy all these. Barbarian is the one movie that I will not say a word about because it's a thing that you have to just experience. If I explain it to you, you're going to look at me like I'm an idiot. It makes no sense. But it just it just works. The week that was out, I chose Smile. I wish I chose okay. Barbarian. But yeah, I didn't see Smile. You didn't miss anything. Okay. Barbarian was great. I had a lot of fun with it. Now we come to my number nine Oscar movie. One for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, nine for Elvis. Okay. Again. I thought this would be higher on your list. Okay. Here's the thing. Austin Butler. Great performance. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed him. Boz Lerman's style. Like it. Tom Hanks is so bad in this movie that it drags it down. For me. Which is shocking to say about Tom Hanks. I have a take on that. Okay. The way that this movie is written, performed, shot... Directed and edited, yeah, is it's not as bad as in like you know 
blonde existing yeah. subverts this. It's not as as perverse as blonde, obviously, which goes like way too far. But it, it's still like I feel like Baz Luhrmann's saying like this is perverse how we do these biopics. Here's a perverse biopic of someone you all love. Yeah. And I think it fits in the theme that Tom Hanks, if he's on that same page with the director, is like, okay, well, so we're basically, you know, all right, we're, we're, per- we're perverts. So we're going to make yeah. this perverse Elvis movie. Okay, I'll take it and I'll run with it. Clearly not anywhere near my top list, but I didn't hate it as much as you did. I don't hate it. That that's, that's the thing. Well, the again, performance. If we were, one okay, yeah. fair. But, but again, like if we look at these movies, this is like in the middle of the pack last year. Oh, you yeah. Know, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, they've clearly warmed up to Baz Luhrmann, though, because he's, with his style, he's made great movies. Very surprised he didn't get a Best Director nomination. Not yet. It's too, still too early. Okay. <laughs> but maybe he has to do Buddy Holly next. <laughs> he's, he's just, he's just like, going back to the 50s. Like, who can I fucking get? James <laughs> Dean. You're up. 68 yeah. was on the train crash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, the music died. Let's do it. So that was your number nine. I already said my number nine was yep. women talking. Oh, this is my number eight. Okay, so go Makes ahead sense. and give us a number eight. Okay, well let's uh, let's work our way through. So above Elvis, I have a movie we've discussed, which I really liked. Came out at the wrong time. The unbearable weight of massive talent. I knew that was a great movie, but this is not an Academy movie. It's not an Academy movie. It's too weird for them. I yeah. get it. Now we get to my number eight. They went with the Fablemans for, like, the biopic. Yes. Number eight is Avatar, The Way of Water. Really liked it. The It's going to clean up in all the technical categories. It should. And it should. These guys are working it double should. and triple over. You know, I, I think that uh, the audacity to cast Sigourney Weaver as a young Sigourney Weaver... Uh, it's wonderful. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think that anyone with billion dollars has bigger balls than Cameron at this yes. point. Yeah. yeah. Jim Cameron, God bless you. We're, uh, yeah, uh, I I really, uh, I enjoyed the movie. Aspects of it that just didn't work super well for me. I think, well, I mean, I asked you this, I texted you. Who's the better whale, the whale in Avatar or the whale in the whale? Hey, and I don't think it's a competition amongst whales. <laughs> it's a big year for whales. I feel like this movie, I have it a little bit higher, not too much higher, but I feel okay. like this movie was like watching The Magician. It's the same thing as if you're in Vegas and you go see David Copperfield. Like, he reaches into the bag of tricks. Yeah. He makes magic. Yeah. And it's up to you to decide at the end of that show, like, hey, was that worth my time and ticket? To me, it was. Yeah. I think, um, to me, there's... It's weird that this got the block one of the blockbuster slots this year. I think there are better ones, and we'll get to those. We'll get to those in a few minutes. But but um, better American ones. Uh, yeah. Are you going back to R three? That's one of them. But I think there there's a better American one. In fact, I think there are a couple better American ones. But we'll get to those. Which brings us to number seven. Number seven. Where are you at? Number seven. This is where the list has to get a little bit closer for me, a little bit tighter. Sure. Uh, number seven was Everything Everywhere All at Once. Okay. And I, I like this movie. It was another March release um, right around the, the time where Nick Cage came out. I feel like I I just saw the Doctor Strange movie, which they're very similar. The structures and the, sure. know, the, the themes, they're very similar. 
and I liked this movie a lot, but it's just to me it was okay. It's you know we got that slot for like you know uh, evolutionary action. Yeah. And uh, it was enjoyable, and obviously it's led by the three big performances, four big performances, and you know it was a great experience. But to me, it's number seven on this list. Sure, that's that's fair. Mine's higher. It's higher on the list for me. Okay, before we get to my seven, couple in between here, and this goes to again blockbusters that uh, that I think are a little a little bit better than Avatar. We get Nope. We talked about that. Had a lot of fun with Nope. Wrong genre. Wrong genre. But that's that's just me. Yeah. Uh, and then we have Black Panther. I thought Black Panther would have been in this spot. I would have thought so as well. It's got a sporting actor's nomination. I think it should have had a sporting actor nomination. I think there's a lot of great stuff in that. I I, I do believe there's a bit with the Academy. And, and listen, I get it. I think it's it's it would be difficult for a Marvel movie to get a lot of traction mm-hmm. because I think there's a lot of there's there's definitely there's back. there's I don't want to say bias but I think that people are predisposed to not liking them. If those if movies. you're not in the industry and either jealous that you're not in it, predis predisposed because you don't consider it a prestige film like you know maybe you think it's a theme park or something sure. like that. It's a roller coaster yeah. ride. There's a lot of nuance Marty. in these Marvel movies. <laughs> But does that script deserve best screenplay adapted Ryan Coogler? I think so. I agree. And one of the biggest things about that movie is I was thinking, I can't wait to watch, and I love the Marvel movies. I see them all. I buy a lot of them. I own them. I can't wait to see what happens with Ryan Coogler when he has just a a money and a universe to build on his own and what kind of story he tells. Because he's done this character unbelievable justice. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, what what? That's interesting. Like, he is going back to. I'm just thinking of like Coogler movies, like Creed. He's playing in somebody else's universe, right? Um, well, Fruitvale Station, Station is, is like a it's true like, story. It's a true story. Yeah. Tremendous movie. Yeah. What I mean, what else is he? Has and he... then Black Panther universe. Yeah. So, so that's that's he, an interesting shout. He's been on the higher end of like adaptations. Yeah. What's his universe like? You know, George Lucas the Star Wars. You know, what is he? what story does he want to tell? Yeah. And what he's done with Black Panther, I look forward to it. I think he's one of the best talents working right now. Yes. And then a movie that, again, you liked it. I liked it more than you did. Uh, Glass Onion. I think this is, this is right sort of where it sits. Uh, for me, I think just, again, it's, it's, I keep going back to the like, he's an idiot. And this movie, it's interesting that I have this right, you know, I didn't do this on purpose, but it's interesting that I have it right next to Black Panther. Because I think Black Panther had the worst hand dealt to it of all movies. True. Whereas Glass Onion probably had the best hand dealt to it of all movies. Where, meaning that he's making a movie about a billionaire who's actually a fucking idiot. And then, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to name names, but somebody bought Twitter and proceeded to start to fucking ruin it. Because he's a moron. No, because the character in the movie is smarter than that character you're talking yes. about. Because yeah. the character in the movie actually steals ideas from his friends. Yeah. Whereas the character in real life just inherits billions of dollars from his colonial father. Yes. Yeah. But it's like, he can just point to and be like, see? I was right. But the, char- the character in the <laughs> Look movie at this. is way better yeah. than the character you're talking about. Like, at least he's self-made yeah. to a point. Yeah. 
Uh, the other guy's just a you know a nepo okay. baby. And now we come to I believe this is my number seven here. Mm-hmm. I've, I've even lost track. Uh, this is where I've all quiet on the Western Front. Um, I think again the first sort of mini movie. Yeah. Excellent. The tank stuff, great. Um, Caught us Nazi kill of the year. Nazi kill of the year. Kind of. Eventual Nazi. Eventually. <laughs> Listen, Indiana Jones is coming out this year, and you know. This is going to be a goddamn Nazi killing <laughs> in Indiana Jones. <laughs> well, I hope they don't go with that one multiverse storyline that I've heard a spoiler from that movie. Yeah. I hope it's been edited out. Let's let's hope. We'll see. We'll there's, see. There's one, so I see some dead Nazis. For the listeners at home, there is one spoiler. The Dial of Destiny we all know is a key to time travel in multiverses. Yeah. There is one it's no, spoiler. It's no surprise we see a young Indy in the... Yeah. Uh, in in the trailer. And the spoiler is that, or was, hopefully they've canned it, <clears throat> that Indy... Warning. Warning. Big spoiler. Skip ahead 30 seconds. Is that Indy would confront Nazi Indy. And let's hope that doesn't get made. Let's hope that's out of there. Berlin Jones. Yeah, we don't want that. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to see Ford in a Nazi uniform, unless he's in disguise, to yeah. kill more Nazis. Yes. Um... Yeah, so what's your... We're at six? What's so your number six? six we're, we're reaching in. Um, I feel like we pretty much had the same bottom four. Yeah, Just a couple sure. exceptions. Top Gun, number six. Okay. Again, I said I, I advertise higher than it is for you. Top Gun, to me, you can't not nominate it. There would have been... Yeah. It's like... Yeah, it's two, you. It's, you know, a billion dollars, guys. Come yeah. on. Like, how, a lot of people saw this. A lot of people are buying it and streaming it. It wasn't... Nobody's going to see this movie and be like, wow, this is the greatest movie that I've seen all year. But Some every, people did. <laughs> every, well, they, they don't know what they're talking about, but yeah. everybody will see this movie this year yeah. and give it the nomination because that's what we're here to do. We're here to make movies and share movies. Yeah. So for reference, we've now reached my top 10 of the year. I think. Let me just count. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. And at my number six, I have Top Gun Maverick. Okay, perfect. So, yep, perfect. I went into this movie because I have a predisposition to not like Tom Cruise, and this motherfucker keeps proving me wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to hate him so much, but he's like, what if I just shit gold today? <laughs> what if I just wake up and just, like, save cinema? And I'm like, God damn it. Yeah, uh, you have to separate the man from I know, the art. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I watch it, and I was like, I'm ready. I'm like, I'm ready to shit on this. It's popular. I fucking, like, it's... I'm gonna I'm gonna not like it and I'm like ah, fucking charmed by this. Everything again. works. Um yeah, and I'm someone who's not like a huge fan of the original Top Gun, but I just watched this and I was like, oh this is fucking great. God damn it. I think what part of the thing that made them want to do this in the first place was seeing the shape Brad Pitt was in in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. And Tom Cruise being there like, I get no love for this spot. Yeah. Like, is Antonio Banderas yeah. going to come out? We, I guess he's got Puss in Boots <laughs> this year. Where he's like, I'm going to be fucking jacked and sexy and just complete the interview with the vampire. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Trilogy. It's the second interview. The callback interview. <laughs> um, All right. So we're same on number yep. six. Nice. Right. What's your five? Avatar. Okay. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I thought... There was a lot of points in this movie, you know, when you're sitting there for half a day watching it, where I'm like, is this good? And I, you know, yeah. I get a headache from the fucking 3D glasses because yeah. Cameron makes me watch his movies with glasses on top of my glasses. So I'm like, is this a good movie? 
And then we get to the payoffs, and the payoffs deliver in the old school plot structures. Like Cameron's using, he, you know, like I called him a magician earlier. He's got the bag of tricks. He uses the bag of tricks. I also liked a lot of blockbusters nowadays. I'm looking at you, She-Hulk. Try to represent femininity in a way that is heroic, and they do it by copying male traits, which is great. I don't think there should be um, boundaries for what a virtue versus what a uh, character flaw is. But this movie, the female characters embrace their femininity, and that's what makes them great. And those are the little touches of that movie, like with the kids, the little girls, yep. you know, at the end. Um, Sully stick together. I think this is a this is a yep. great movie. I think I look forward to seeing the four or seven sequels, whatever he comes up with now. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick up for She Hulk a little bit. I don't think that uh, the show had its problems, but I don't think it was that She Hulk was not feminine. Uh, I think it, no, I, I just think yeah. the interpretation of like for She Hulk, like well, you know, to make a great strong woman, you have to make her the Hulk. That's what my I was going at. Like with I, Cameron's see, characters, okay. they are women first, and then they're heroes. Whereas you know, She Hulk, she was a hero first, and then she was a woman. Okay. So again, this is we're into my top ten. So Maverick was my top ten. Was number ten. So everything going forward to me should have been on it. Um. After that, I've got Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. It's easy for me to say again. Pinocchio. He's nominated for Best Animated. He should win. I think... I've not seen Puss in Boots. So, I mean, that's get some steam behind it. So that, that might take I it. I really like Puss in Boots. Have you seen this Pinocchio? Not yet. Um, wonderful. Imagine pitching... You go to Netflix or Let you go to any this, streaming service. This list for the animated. Yes. So animated i've seen pinocchio i've seen turning red i've not seen the other three. Oh yeah i like turning red as well uh, but pinocchio is beautiful i think it is close it's close to the best version of that story that we've seen and you had me watch the goddamn one with fucking tom hanks I did not watch that. I skipped that one. Yeah, like, hey, like, I'm watching Pinocchio for the podcast. I watched this. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Um, no, so a, a deconstruction of the absurdity of fascism. Um, I look forward to it. A, you know, just a beautiful story, and about about grief, and about carrying on. You know, even when we definitely did not watch the same Pinocchio. We didn't watch the same Pinocchio. No. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and how, how do you put one foot in front of the other and how do you move on from the worst thing you can imagine? Uh, it's a beautiful movie. After that, I have the Batman. I think this was a third act tune up away from being a real contender. I had, I had a few issues with the last act. I like the third act. Here, here's, I, I would let say the me, problems are in the middle. It's, it's tough, because I think my, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when Batman confronts Riddler, and he's got Bruce Wayne. Bruce, great scene. Mm -hmm. But... COVID scene. Hence yes, the plexiglass. Yes. But my least favorite aspect of the movie is that Riddler was not there in the final fight. Yeah. So, do you weigh that out? How do you get him there? Can you keep the Bruce Wayne scene? Can you break him out of prison without just completely aping the Dark Knight? It's it's a tough balancing act. I understand why they did what they did. But I think 
having the final fight of the movie be like Batman and Catwoman versus a bunch of faceless thugs hurt the movie a little a little bit obviously I loved it mm-hmm. really did really enjoyed it I think what they were leaning into and this was it we're in the age of January 6th yeah is how these guys can sit online and incite violence yeah and that's why I agree Riddler, yeah. Riddler should be there mm-hmm but if you're going to lean into the January 6th Trumpism, um, Marge, large Marge Green stuff, sure. go into it okay. in a way that you have the Riddler not be so vague. Like, I know it's Warner Brothers. They're going to be vague. The villain yeah. can't be specific. He can't have specific goals. Sure. But lean into it in a way that it's unmistakable. That way people don't get confused. And that way we don't feel like we get gypped of a big climax. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's a lot okay. of right-wing... There people, is there's a lot wacky of, people yes. on and YouTube. There's, there's, listen, if you yeah. if you look a half an inch below the surface of this movie, you see what they're getting at. I get but it. but but lean into yeah. it more, so yeah. we don't have to look below the surface. Sure. So it is what it is. Sure. And that's the Riddler. This brings me to my number five of the best picture nominees, and this is where I have Triangle of Sadness. Now this is number five. This is if there were five nominees, mm-hmm. these are these, this is where they would be. Um. Triangle of Sadness, I think there are, and again, compared to last year, this would be like near the top of the list. Um, my issue with Triangle of Sadness is I wish we would have got Dolly De Leon's character a little bit more established before she took over the movie. Just a little bit. I think it's for the structure of the movie, there's Act 1. Which is yeah. the relationship. It's two movies. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. three. And yeah. there's Act Two, which yeah. is the captain. Yes. So Act One is the relationship. Act Two is the captain. Act Three is um, you know the hunter, the gatherer, the cooker. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was done on purpose. Yeah. Not I, because they're idiots. Yes. Yeah. No, I know. Uh, I wish it just for my taste. I wish it was just stitched together a little bit more. I think it works that way though, because now all of a sudden they're looking around and who's important? It's not the people from Act One, and it's not the people from Act Two. It's this girl, sure. the, the 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 maid, the laundry lady. Yeah, yeah. I think it works for the movie. I hear you. It just didn't land one hundred percent with me. Again, this is a minor criticism. Because what does the Russian oligarch have to contribute? That's what they're trying to say. Yeah. And what is the models? Yeah, the beautiful no, models. No, yeah, nothing, yeah. nothing. So, yeah. Um, Sex. Yeah. For the one that can cook. Yeah. And fish. I I think there is something to be said with. You know, a criticism I see a lot of this movie is like, oh, so, you know, fuck the, eat the rich, but like, you know what, whoever takes over afterwards is going to be just as bad. Um, well, I think, I think I, I have to push back a little bit on it. I think this what, is not my criticism. This is just what I've oh, seen. Oh, okay. All right. This yeah. is what I've seen. Yeah. Cause I think what it's really saying in, in, it's like beauty as currency. Yes. Like your looks I, as a way, as a means to get things. I, also think it's saying a little bit any system that is not completely equal will inevitably end up untenable the human factor it's a, yes so there needs to be you know, just because she can hunt and fish and cook and you know, do whatever doesn't make her more deserving of sex with a beautiful man doesn't but, make her more deserving it, of being the, the head. Like, but it everyone, does in the, everyone, con- in the in context, context of, of the story. Yes. And that's what makes it but a great e- everyone story. deserves decency. Everyone deserves, you know. 
Um, I think it's pessimistic in the way they're saying that we're not capable of this kind of decency. That it's saying, like, even if you follow the lead of the captain and you overthrow the system, you're still fucked. Yeah. It's it's, kind of nihilistic, but... What's your number four? All right, we're talking the big bad four. This one was rough. I didn't know where to put this one at first. And then I sat with it. Yeah. And I decided, as much as I liked it. Yeah. It's not, it's, I'm probably not going to really go back to it. Okay. It's stacked with good performances. Sure. It's stacked with a lot of heartfelt, it's a great family movie. You know, mm-hmm. I will go back to it. When I got three kids of my own and they want to watch a good movie, yeah. right around that holiday season, we'll watch The Fablemans. Okay. My number four. It's a great Christmas movie. It is. Despite it's, the fact that it's about Jewish family. <laughs> fuck it. You can watch it on Thanksgiving. Who cares? <laughs> uh, I'm a little bit higher, uh, but... I agree. This is a this is a a movie where it really depends on how it specifically hits you. Yeah, as to how well it works for you. And and you know it's really hard to make a movie about your parents. Yes, we all have our stories, our personal feelings, a nuanced relationship. In this case, for Sammy Fableman. There was a lot of um, weird things going on. Like, not weird, but things that were not in the norm of the nuclear family mm-hmm. going on that he just kind of, you know, brush strokes of just a, just a touch. Doesn't really get into any of that stuff that's really could portray the, his parents and his, uh, I guess, adoptive stepfather in negative light. He's making a movie about people, but he's, he's Spielberg. Yeah. He's doing it in a way that lacks that human element that like really gritty human element because that think of this movie directed by john cassavetes right but i think it it works so well with his sensibilities this is maybe the most spielberg movie other than et he's clearly nostalgic yeah he's nostalgic for his own life well look at his last movie i mean we had ready player one yeah which is all nostalgia bait like the whole have you heard the rumor of what his next project is going to be what is it He's going to take over the Napoleon Project. Good. Yeah. Good. Finally. We'll get yes. it. <laughs> Finally. Yes. He's going to take over Kubrick's Napoleon. <laughs> Finally. We'll get it. And it's like, that I'm interested in seeing. By the way, I don't know, I mean, if anybody knows what I look like and uh, my stature, but I should play Napoleon. <laughs> Let's I need make to get, it happen. I need to get my Steve. Agent. Steve. Have you seen me? First of all, I'm a Bonaparte. He's a Bonaparte. I'm a yeah. descendant. Second of all, you can't look at a picture there, of the two there of us. Is a, there is actually a rumor that I am descended. I don't. I've not confirmed this. There's a rumor that I am descended from a French revolutionary figure named Paul Barat, who was rumored to have an affair with Napoleon's mistress. Oh, good. We're cousins. Or with Napoleon's wife. Yeah, we're, we're, we're cousins. Yeah, dude. yeah. So, I mean, there's no way I shouldn't be the hairline, the pointy nose. Yeah, well, let's we're we're just comparing pictures of French revolutionary <laughs> figures that we might be related to. Look, look at this guy. That it's, listen, Bonaparte or Bonaparte, you tell me. Look at this, ridiculous. It's like a mirror. Well, listen, let's. Uh... What do you think? Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> Here's a picture of Paul Marat. <laughs> Here's me after one too many. Yep. Here's. Here's Paul Barat and Napoleon discussing <laughs> what the best plays of the French re- the French Revolutionary era are. Um. So, Steve, we know you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so yeah. Um, Maybe Paul Barat and Napoleon were in love with the same cousin of Napoleon's. Yeah. Steve, you listening? Listen, we can make this happen. Love triangle, Steve. We can make this happen. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, so where do we leave off? So Number four is the Fablemans for me. Okay, so I left off in Triangle of Sadness. So above that, I have The Northman. We talked about that one. Mm-hmm. Loved it. I don't understand why it wasn't a huge hit, but I, I do kind of understand why it wasn't a huge hit. Yeah, too much Willem Dafoe for their own good. And <laughs> if, the, hey, in he 10 went, years... He is full Dafoe in this movie. In 10 years, they're going to be thankful they have it. They are. Right now, they don't know they what they got. Above that, for my number five movie of the year, this way of RRR. Ah, number, ah, ah. Oh, number The five. number five movie On of the year. List, yeah. Yes. R3. Triple R. Triple R. R cubed. Tri- triple R, yeah. Just, again, this is a movie where everything you want in a movie, possible, is crammed in this movie, but it works. This movie, I think, it has, if it came out last year, it's Number sitting, one, the yeah, bullet. It's sitting there. It has fucking... <laughs> it's... It has romance. It's a, it has class issues. It's a musical. It has the. It's a musical. It has the best song of the year. Uh, it has fucking animals killing humans. It's three hours. It has a man fighting a tiger. And you can't look it's away. The, you can't for, no, for, for three a hours. second. Yeah. It has an unbelievable facial hair situation happening. Um, it's it's a beautiful movie. I'm so happy that. I'm not well versed. Talk in about film, film. editing. That's a that's an editing yes. job right there. Yes. We can learn from. Listen, I'm not super well-versed in Indian films, but if this breaks open the door and gets some crossover, I am into it. And, you know, it fuck the English and fuck colonialism. So, if you're doing the math out, that means my top four movies of the year are nominated for Best Picture. Nice. You so, guys agreed. Great job, Academy. You guys agreed. Number four is Tar. It's an unbelievable performance. It like, mm-hmm. listen, we sit here. Magnetic. You can't look away. It's nuanced. N- yes, the the understanding of what fame does to a person, what it does to their relationships, what it does to, and this is again, we're here just again for reference. All of these might have been my number one last year. Or success. Yes. Not, not even necessarily fame. Success. Yes. Success. The the way that the people... And this is another one that is a criticism of elitism. That Lydia Tarr looks around and thinks she's above everyone. But her talent kind of backs it... Like, it backs it up. Is this... You know, the, the scene I think of when she, like, scares this little child... You don't get to do that. I don't care who the fuck you are. <laughs> I don't care if you're the world's greatest composer. And again, like, the the audacity of this movie to start it out with an interview. Right. For 11 minutes. For, yes. Yeah. It's, it's a brilliant film. It is. It really is. And, like, it just goes to show how much I like everything else. Um, it's something you, you can't... It's hard to recommend this one. Because you have to have the prerequisite of being into prestige films. Yes. And films yes. in general. Yeah. This is not a... If you're just starting yeah. your journey to be like, I want to talk about movies and learn about movies, this is not one of the ones I'd first recommend to you. Mm-hmm. But... And, and I have it at number three. So okay. Sure. kind of right there. All right. Um, yeah. 
No, beautiful. So, I mean, is there anything else you want to say about Tara before we move on? Well, I think it's clear. We know she's going to win the Best Actress. Todd Fields should win the Best Director, and I want to see more out of him. Look, it takes a lot to get a movie made. If you're not in the 1% of the 1%, you don't get movies made. Yeah. And if you do, you don't get them made often. Yeah. He, and Todd, he's, yeah. He's, he's done three Todd films. Todd Fields, who you will know from Twister. They've all, been, <laughs> they've all been three amazing movies. Um, also, have you ever seen In the Bedroom? from 2006 I'm not shout out to him that movie set in Old Orchard Beach oh he's got a nice shot of the you know um, the pier <laughs> the train tracks oh okay you know there's the down east there's one scene where where um Falcone from Batman Tom Wilkinson Tom Wilkinson yeah. drives over the train tracks looking towards the pier great okay. shot great shot excellent he's a main guy he lives in Maine beautiful I want to see more out of him because I heard what he had to say with Todd. There's non-zero chance that he had pier fries during the filming. No, there was a, yeah. Non-zero is a thousand percent that they were. But uh, this guy, he needs to make more films. I know. Hey, Steve, I know you're listening still. Cut this guy a check. Let him make Do some it. big movies. Yeah, Todd Field was, um, you know, he, he was uh, one of Kubrick's guys. And that he kind of spun his career off from that as a director. So yeah, Spielberg. If you if you if you're picking this Napoleon thing up, <laughs> you gotta have a project for him. God, he was in Twister. As I've said, it was like the biggest movie of July '96. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was that Independence Day? Was that '95 or '96? Because that could be that might have might have been '96. Might have been '96. Yeah. But yeah. Sorry, Twister. Sorry. Second biggest movie of July. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So uh, my number three is The Fablemans. So we just switched those ones. We, yeah. I love this movie. It's a movie that I am definitely going to revisit at some point. You know, how how can you sit there and look at just a master and be like, and just have him be like, I want to show you some of the things that led me to being me. And I want to boil down what makes me the filmmaker that I am. Yeah. And commit to a narrative. A lot of it was rooted in, like, the elementary years, though. Yes. I went into it thinking, like, all right, let's see some of these, uh, let's see some of the early grinds. And I will say, yeah, I think this movie has the best scene of the year. Yes, 100%. Which is the end of the 100%. movie. Yes. <laughs> 100%. David Lynch as John Ford is the best scene of the year. Yes. <laughs> now get the fuck out of my office. Yes. <laughs> I was so, there is not a better way you could have ended that movie. I think that... <laughs> That ending is for anyone who might have been on the fence about it. Clearly, I'm not on the fence. I love the movie. It's my number four. Yeah. But anyone who might have been on the fence, like, oh, if you, in, by the way, if you're going to screw me off the Oscar this year, here's this scene. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then the kid runs down the street and becomes Spill. He directs Jaws at 26. Yeah. And he looks at the, the lot, at the Universal lot, I believe it was. And if you know the story of Spielberg, it's. Well, it would the, have been the Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers, Brothers. okay. He. Basically, the way he got his. His uh, his career started is he just broke into a lot, yeah, universe the universal lot in real life in real life the movies WB yep the universal lot and just took over an office and just started doing shit and that's the way you gotta do it <laughs> to be honest yeah <laughs> he just... at, at one point I don't know how familiar everyone is um, <clears throat> me and Coffee a friend of Rick and I yep. we went into the Sony lot one night. And we went up the tower. Oh. We climbed up the tower. Dangerous. Yeah. Like, that thing is high. It's a little skinny ladder. Amy Pascal looking up at you. Like, you're, not, you're not supposed yeah. to climb the ladder. 
the little lad is so skinny. I guess it's in case of emergency. The the tower itself is decorative. <laughs> but we went up there and we caught a view we'd never seen. It's like wow, look at the world from up here. Beautiful. Yeah, unbelievable. And if you can get if you can get it, is that in the valley or is that? No, that's right in Culver City. Okay. All right. Ten fingers and a pull up. That's how you get in. All right. <laughs> I mean, the statues of limitations. It's a long yeah, time ago. This yeah. this was years ago. This was decades <laughs> ago. So what's your number two? So I will say that my top three, it was they they rotated. They went around. Great. Same for me. They went around. One and two especially. I honestly did not know coming into this recording where I'd have what movie. And I knew even though one and three swapped a little bit more, I knew Banshees was my number two. Okay. Because there was two things like you know three and four Tar and Fablemans. I switched them around. Then with three and one, I switched them around. Yeah. But I knew Banshees was my number two. Okay. And I, I can't believe how well Martin McDonald's developed. And if he sweeps everything good for him, and he deserves it. Yeah. So Banshees number two. Love Banshees. My number two is, again, razor thin with my number one. My number two is everything everywhere all at once. Much higher than me. Yes. And I will... Listen. I understand where I am in life right now where I have a daughter and this movie is very much about the relationship between a parent and a daughter and where I can see myself trying to let her live her own life and except her dad's got penis fingers hot dog fingers oh is that what they were hot dogs yes those were, were penises Rick come on they were specifically shouted out as hot dogs alright well what I the movie I saw it was like a <laughs> penis scissor hands <laughs> It just, again, this is similar to RRR, yeah. where everything you can think of, yeah, you know, it's it's a well titled movie. I think Michelle Yeoh's performance is wonderful. I think Kiko Kwan, electric. It, yes, um, I could not take my eyes off of this movie for a second, and the fact that it's, I think this is going to win. I think this is the winner. I wouldn't be surprised because we were talking about splits earlier. Yeah. And then there will be the uh, hangover of young hip guys off of the old guys. So yeah. I think I, I think, still think Fablemans is going to win. I think Fablemans and Elvis are going to split the old school vote. It's such a recognizable thing. And it's like, yeah. oh, Spielberg made the uh, he made a biopic. And then if you watch the trailers, Fablemans had the best trailer I of th- the year. I think there's also a world where... Not everyone watches them. I think there's also a world where Banshee's just is so overpowering that it, it just has to win. I think there there's a world where they're like, oh, I'm voting for the best supporting for both. I'm voting for the best actor. It's up there for best directing. Like, it's got, like, just, just the math might just add up. I think that's, that's a possibility. But I think Everything Everywhere is the overwhelming favorite. I saw Banshees down at the, um, the AMC next to Emerson. And, you know, the teachers, they make their kids go see all the movies. Yeah. So to see it in a packed house with people of all ages, and, you know, it's Boston, so, you know, there's Irish immigrants, there's yeah. young kids that go to Emerson, there's cool kids, there's young kids, there's old people. And to see how well it works when people actually see it sells the movie. Yeah. But outside of that, like, microcosm of the scenario that I saw it, how many people are finding it? And if they're finding well, it... Well, let's, right... let's talk about Banshees, because that's my number one. Yeah. Right? Um, I think 
And I watched this the same day I watched Top Gun. And to me, what Banshees is about is the absurdity of war. Of right? course, yeah, yeah. It's the whole allegory. It's yes. like they're watching the Irish this, Civil War. Yes, they're yeah. watching this off from a, this war off from a distance. And they don't get it. Mm-hmm. They're just fighting. And like, that's like what the are, characters that's what our two main characters are doing. And it's like a hundred years before today. Yes. It takes place in 1921-22. Yes. And they said, there's one line where he says, oh, they'll, they'll, uh, they're going to quit soon. Yes. Not the case. No, they not go, at all. Yeah, they call them first century. It's going to go, yes. Yeah. And I think there are four, five if you count the donkey, incredible performances. You have to count the donkey. You have to. So there's five <laughs> incredible performances. You put it out there. You have to count the donkey. And... It's complex and simple at the same time. Yeah. You know? It's like good old-fashioned... It's ultimately... If you were to tell me what the movie... If if someone were to ask me what the story is, one day, a guy wakes up and decides he doesn't want to be friends with somebody else anymore. Why? Why the fuck not? Mm -hmm. It's going to cost him. Yep. Some fingers. Yes. Maybe his life. Yes. And... He gives up so much of his humanity just to prove himself right. I mean, he, this he, he's the fiddler with no fingers. Yes. He just gives up everything. He, he doesn't want to be friends with Colin Farrell's character anymore because he Colin Farrell won't enrich his life anymore. But in order to take away the negative... He destroys himself. Mm-hmm. What does he become? What is he at the end of this movie? What is Brennan Gleeson at the end of this movie? He's the fingerless um, fiddleman. Yeah. He's nothing. Everything he wanted by starting this is gone. You have Carrie Conan's character who escapes, who is too good for this situation. You have Colin Farrell's character who, this is just what he is. This is what he knows. And he loses almost everything. No more is he a good guy. Yes, but he didn't do anything. All he did was talk to someone when they asked him not to. And it blew up his fucking world until he became crazy. And they have Barry Keegan's character who is just never had a chance. He Like, his father was a bastard. The woman he loved didn't want anything to do with him there's so much in this movie this movie is so rich that it's it's my number one movie of the year i'm rooting for it this week uh you know or, i don't know when it's gonna be released but <laughs> yeah this at the oscars this season this season i'm not gonna be upset if everything everywhere wins yeah. it's it's razor thin for me but i love this movie so you know, this is your your number one is Triangle of Sadness. I'm doing my math right. Yeah, well, as, as you can tell that uh, how I pushed back when, when sure. Rick had it at number five. Would you have it? I had it my five. Yes. Yeah. So. But again, this is what it came down excellent to. year. This is what it came down to. <clears throat> You've seen all these at least five tremendous movies, and it's like, well, which one was better than which? And the reason I came to this one as number one. Is because I'm a big fan of the rules of the game. A little one of my favorite movies. Of all a time. little antiquated now for today's audience, so it updates that. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of the Lord of the Flies, and I love 
Shakespeare, The Tempest. I was in The Tempest. So when you played you, John Tempest. I played Ferdinand, <laughs> the prince. In in those three things that I like came together to talk about our modern culture. I couldn't resist this one being my favorite because this is one that I know I'm going to go back to that I'm going to want to learn more from and watch again. Um, the way that, you know, the rich are only as rich as we allow them to be. That's the, the message of the movie. It's up to us. It's up to society. It's up to the system. There's more of you, there's more of us than there is of them. And they're only going to get away with what we let them get away with. And this movie opens that theme up and just takes such... So, it's not even like a big shit. It just, it just discards it from the book, tears it up and throws it in the trash. And I had so much fun watching it because I liked all the characters. I related to each one of these individuals as, you know, it's an ensemble in one way or another. Yeah. Because they all represent different walks of life and origin. And I liked watching them work together. And then the way they Lord of the Flies the ending, I was like, okay, this is it. This is, this is my favorite one of the year. I respect it. Like I said, I, these movie. I think my, my top ten of the year are stuff that I will be rewatching more than once. Solid year. It's it's a great year for movies. I am there's so much pessimism about the movie industry right now. And honestly, I don't feel that. Me neither. I'm excited about what's happening. And listen, streaming might come and it might go. But you know, and, and the theatrical experience, who knows with that? You know, AMC is, is, is fucking around and trying to, well, trying to I, change I, things. I feel but... like it's permanent. The, there's not going to be a way, like, you know, theater has been with us since prehistory yes. at this point. One way or another, yeah, it's gonna we're going to have experience close to that. Yeah, And I'm someone who, the theatrical experience is important to me. You know, I want to see as many of these movies big as I can. Um, you yeah, obviously with a, with a, you know, six month old baby, it's, it's tough to do, but I try to get up to the as much as I can. And it, it hasn't lost its magic to me. Yeah. Somebody occasionally, someone has their phone out. It's annoying, but you know what? If I'm watching a movie at home, sometimes my dog starts barking. Yeah. It's chaos. Outside. Um, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm more optimistic about the future of movies than most people are. But you know what? I like the MCU. I like blockbusters. I, I think you're, you're totally right, dude. It's like, first of all, we have people on one side of the spectrum, like the Scorsese's and the Spielberg's, and they're going to continue to get all the resources they need to make hits for the, the money guys. Yes. And then on the other side, you have the MCU and, uh, you know, the big stuff like that. And they're also going to get unlimited money and yeah. opportunity to make what they want to make. So if you like, if you're in the middle and you like and enjoy the whole experience, it's a win-win for you. Because yes. like you talked about this coming year of movies, what period has there been such a one-uppance in the industry? Yeah. But like, let's let's even go further than that. You know, this was a great year for horror movies. The, you know, we didn't we didn't re I mean, we talked a little bit about Mia Goth, but like X and Pearl, the menu is kind of a horror movie. Barbarian's a horror movie. Um, 
we had the uh, we had the Hellraiser sequel that remake that I, I really enjoyed that didn't quite you know rise to the level of what we talked about. Nope is a horror movie. Yeah, and we have these micro budgeted movies. Mm-hmm. We have Triangle of Sadness. We have you know if 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 Banshees did not have the stars that it had, it would be a micro budget movie. Mm-hmm. You have stuff coming from India. You have stuff coming from Europe. You have, you know, you have stuff coming from Japan. You know, I, di- I didn't get a chance, um, you know, you know, Asia. You know, I didn't get a chance to see um, After Yang. For horror movies, I didn't get a chance to see Ter- Terrifier 2. There's a lot to like. Almost three hours. Yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't expect it. Like, when you go into yeah. it, you're like, oh, Terrifier 2. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit, I've been watching this for two hours. Yeah. When the fuck's this thing ending? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you have people of color getting more opportunity yeah. now there's there's more have, story to be told yes. than ever and i mean the business side of it is just in competition with itself they want to produce more they want to make more and that's an advantage for the artist yeah because they're cutting checks and you know we're coming out of a very tough time obviously for everything you know the 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 economy is is what it is but i if you're listening to this and i know you are if you get a chance to go see, go to the theater, do it. If you get a chance, you know, if you have to watch it at home, a movie at home that you want to see, do it. Support art. Absolutely. That's what gets us through. When it comes to date night at the movies, there's no cheaper option. Yeah. Go have dinner for two and uh, go dancing. Buy, if you, even if you buy tickets to a, a nightclub, it's 10 bucks to get in, or at least 10. Yeah. 20, 25, 30. There's no cheaper option to just sit there with your date Nobody's gonna stop you from sneaking in food. You don't have to buy it. I mean, do it if you can. Yeah, it supports the theaters, but nothing like fresh pop popcorn. Yeah, but you know, if, if you're a, if no. you're a Doritos guy, that's... nobody's. <laughs> they don't care. They're making minimum wage. Yeah. <laughs> they're not gonna stop you. But yeah, see as many movies as you can, watch as many movies as you can at home in the theater, and support the industry. That's the moral of the story. I guess. Even if you watch a bad movie, so what? Yeah. It was a bad movie. Big deal. You can also have favorite bad movies. Yeah. And that brings us to Babylon. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so there are a few movies that we did not talk about here. Babylon um, is one of them. I didn't get to see it. Tell me about Babylon. Another three hour. Okay. Not as good as The Terrifier. Okay. <laughs> Two, which was also three hour. Babylon, We at first you think it's a movie about how great movies are but then within the first 10 minutes you realize it's almost the disgruntled employee and there's actually literally a scene where a stunt elephant that's getting ready to go to some hollywood party in the 1920s as stunt elephants do takes a shit on the protagonist and the camera shoots from inside of the sphincter shows the sphincter opening up like a birth and all shit comes out Obviously, that's the, actually only the second toughest uh, orifice scene compared, as opposed to blonde. I think is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Still, uh, well, obviously, the total statement is right there in the first scene, like that first yeah. instance. It's like this is not a "I love you" letter to Hollywood. It's a "fuck you" letter. I hate yeah. you. All you do is make shit. Yeah, and that's what Babylon is. Take away my fucking Oscar, huh? The so characters are whiny. The characters are just ugh. But is it crafted? It's crafted amazing. 
you can't. It's, you it's can't, on streaming now. I'm, I, I will see it eventually. You, I, so I fell asleep just a little bit. Yeah. But the stuff that I did not sleep through is like, this is really well made. Yeah. Hate. <laughs> Hate mail. <laughs> and it basically, the plot, you know, you've seen it before. It's Singing in the Rain. Sure. It's a remake. It's yeah. about all these characters trying to transition into, but it's doing it in an edgy way, trying to reach out to Gen Z. I think you got to give Gen Z a little bit more credit. The, the, like, the market research on them is like, oh, they just sit in front of their TikToks and flick their phones yeah. all day. You got to give them a little bit more credit. I mean, look at the movies that have done well this year. It wasn't all just old dudes going to these movies. Yeah. You know, you don't make a billion dollars without the Gen Z audience. Yeah. Give them a little bit more credit, a little bit more respect for their intelligence. And that, you know, you can make a great movie about early Hollywood. Babylon's not it. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't snubbed. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, you know what? Let us know, um, you know, on our our social media. uh, Or if if you know me, you know, find me personally. Uh, I'm on Letterboxd now, Rick Barrasso. You know, find find me and and, and talk about what you like, what you didn't like. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today, Chris, or joining me today, Chris. Uh, Pleasure to be here. As far as the future of the podcast, I do hope... Uh, we get to do some, either it be me and Derek, or Derek and, and Gio, or Chris and me, or Chris and Derek, or whatever it ends up being. Hope to see you in the future. Can't be here every week, but occasionally I might drop in. And uh, keep watching, everyone. <laughs>